This week we dive back into the book, Earth's Forbidden Secrets. There's been some really cool interviews lately, I've really appreciated those. However, these ones where myself and Angus sit down and do the book, they really are an escape for both of us. We sit down and go through a few chapters or however many we can get through in an hour, and we have a really good time doing it. It's, uh, it's awesome to sit down and do this. And look, it's getting into some interesting territory. You know, the thing is, we've got some awesome interviews coming up as well. Already got a couple in the bag. So we'll squeeze the book in where we can. However, it's really interesting. And as always, I love Max's perspective. As I said, really cool interviews coming up. I'll keep that under my hat for now. Thank you again to you awesome listeners, to the Patreon supporters. We are on Patreon, Unlocking the Code. Any support you want to throw our way would be awesome. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us a review. We are on track to break the download record month on month. And that's the total ever monthly record. So thank you, thank you, thank you to your awesome listeners. Not too sure what the opener is going to be. It's a few songs running around inside my head, but enjoy it. Enjoy the book. And please look after yourselves. Chaos still reigns, even though we're not allowed to talk about it. However, the only way forward is to remember love is the answer. And be kind to yourself, be cool, stay disciplined, and we'll talk soon. Cheers. Once again next weekend Found me out drunk again And I never will forgive myself For putting you through all that hell I went from high school dropout To factory labourer Slave to the clock until four Went from sleeping on the floor To being out on tour Now there's not for me I'll finish with a bang Like a Cobain's biography Uh
And I speak what I feel in the booth In the spirit of truth Cause all these kids that I meet Man, they mirror my youth And I could have gone the wrong way The easy uh, option But I chose to go the long way the uh, So keep a lookout Look out, be ballers Keep your hook up Pull the page Drip my book out And pull out your finger Put your foot out And keep a lookout For what we put out The brand new flavor For your cookout uh. EFS coming to you live. Not live. Live. <laughs> <laughs> We're not live. Not live. That's, that's a throwback, isn't it? That's uh, old fighter and the kid coming at you live. We're not live. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's old school. That's before Brian. Anyway, um, mate, it's been a little while. It's been a hot minute been a couple of weeks uh and we ended on a cliffhanger it was the death of a god and which uh, god you ask well we don't we don't know. that's what we don't know we don't know but it's a cliffhanger so we had to and look you know i've had a some really cool interviews lately and but the efs is a uh kick back and you know just enjoy the ride and uh looking yeah, re- forward relax to some fucking knowledge bombs on your daily commute or Mm, wherever mm. it is you choose to listen to us absolutely absolutely uh i didn't write down who liked the articles so i'm just going to have a blanket we're just going to punch into it i'm just going to say thank you to all the awesome people uh thank you to all the new listeners thank you to the patreon contributors absolutely thank you to just thanks everyone you know uh it's just ultimate gratitude to everybody man yeah well we're we're actually we're on track month on month uh, completely smashed the monthly download record again. Yeah, we're having a good time at this point. As, as, we, as we record this on the 22nd of the 6th, I'm not too sure when we're going to, this one's going to pop out, but this is when we recorded it. Uh, yeah, the June June downloads are going to be hundreds and hundreds of downloads more than ever before. So so thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much. All right, so we're going to start. I'm going to go, let's do the Baltic Sea and then we're going to do the, uh, and we've got some rock art to look at as well, mate. Uh, let's have a look here. Let's see if I can figure this out. It's been a hot minute. It has been a hot minute. It has been a hot minute. Let's see if we can hide the floating meeting controls because that's good for everybody. Uh, and this is it here. Yeah, we are. Look, Boom, look at that. Straight see, in. We even, anyone would think, you know, we knew what we were talking about. We don't, by the way. Don't. We don't. Um, now, thank you while we're doing it to Mysteries Unsolved. Yeah, mysteries this. unsolved. I like these guys. I got a lot of their memes, uh, and 
the reason, half the reason I chose these two articles is one's from Curiosmos, I think it's Curiosmos, Curiosmos. and Mysteries Unsolved. And I know that straight up that both of those articles, because we've had a few. Well, they, they put the author on. That's right. Let's just comment. Avis Lee. Avis thank Lee. you very much yeah. on the 21st, June 21st, it was yesterday. 2022. Mm, so estimated two minute read. Estimated. We'll see about that. So ancient anti-gravity artifact with unknown origin found right near the Baltic Sea anomaly. Now, the Baltic Sea anomaly is that thing that looks like a UFO that's at the bottom of the Baltic Sea, right? It cannot, and thank you to Avis Lee, uh, it cannot be completely ruled out that the artifact has survived from more ancient civilizations that once inhabited the earth long before us. Almost everyone, almost every one of us, almost every one of us already has, uh, here we go again, Almost rusty. Ev- rusty. <laughs> we haven't been rusty. reading for, no, for very long. No. Almost every one of us has already heard of the Baltic Sea and only there's a missing word in there. This discovery has made a sensation. This discovery made a sensation in 2011 when a bizarre image appeared on the sonar of Pete Lindbergh, Dennis Aberg, and their Swedish Ocean X diving team while treasure hunting on the floor of the Northern Baltic Sea at the center of the Gulf of Bothnia. Yeah, it is there. That's for sure a UFO, man. Like now that now we can't argue against it, it's weird, yeah. right? A strange circular object found at the bottom of the Baltic Sea in 2011 continues to baffle scientists. And that's the National like Geographic. Could be some stairs there. Stairway. Could be megalithic. Could be an altar. Mm. It seems that the strange shape of the structure on the seabed was not only the anom- but was not the only anomaly. Oh, wow. Wow. You are. You are on fire tonight, my friend. Let's just get them all out of the way now. Yeah. Red leather, yellow leather. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you don't want to listen to the rest of this train wreck, yes. probably skip ahead another five minutes and we might be into the book. <laughs> Let's get them out of the way on these articles. Let's try, mate. Let's try. And listen, it's all fun and games now, isn't it? You still got to read your article yet. No, I know. Uh, it seems that the strange shape of the structure on the seabed was not the only anomaly. During the investigation, divers said that there was an anomaly on the surface just above the structure. Any electronic device, even satellite phones, stopped working in that area just above the sunken object. I remember that now. The team managed to recover a sample from that submerged structure, and after conducting a number of lab tests, it was found that the sample contained limonite and geothite. These materials are metals which nature could not reproduce itself. Some experts think it's a Nazi anti-submarine device or a battleship gun turret. Doesn't, yeah. While others believe it is a sunken UFO of antiquity. Whatever it is, it seems that nobody wants to fund a comprehensive research study into the Baltic Sea discovery. The question remains what really lies beneath. Well, we can't, we can't research things that are going to upset the narrative. See, if we do that, that's yeah. a problem. That's a way to control it is the people who hold the money just don't put money into it. Yeah, they just, just the, don't give yeah. a grant for you to go and study that's it. That's right. What, what Baltic Sea anomaly? Yeah. More interestingly, another incredible thing happened recently. A bizarre artifact was discovered in the same area where the Baltic Sea anomaly was detected. Now that's trippy looking. For those listening at home, it looks like a it looks like some sort of electronic device. There's like a gold ring with slots in it, uh, with a gap in the middle, a bit like a spark plug, maybe. It's concentric circles, like mm, getting concentric smaller and smaller, smaller. smaller. Different colours. With different colours and the mm. different rings. The appearance of the find is impressive, and so far no one can guess about its real purpose, because if it is investigated precisely, it will take a long time to solve it. 
it is a is it a mysterious artifact that was named an anti-gravity artifact by Boris? Oh, there you go, Alexandrovich, who discovered it on the shores of the Baltic Sea. Hang on a minute. Didn't they say uh, a bizarre artifact was discovered in the same area? So it must might have been on the coastline. After the first analysis, the age of this object seems to be about one hundred and forty thousand years. This is practically impossible, and if we look at it, conventional history. It appears that this ancient artifact has certain bizarre properties. It generates an energy field unprecedented and is still not understood by scientists. So it sort of fits in the palm of your hand by the looks of if, it. If you wanted to compare it to something, it would be a Bluetooth speaker. Yeah, good. It's like a cylinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little Bluetooth sort speaker. Of thing, yep. Flat ends with, and on the ends of, the, on the flat ends, there's circles. Mm, looks like there's, uh, there's a metal underneath and stuff like that. Yeah, it looks like there is a metal incorporated with mm. it. It could be could be it's a gold metal so it could yeah. be gold copper bronze yeah who knows but all of those things conduct electricity pretty yeah, well they do the artifact is also composed of some extremely rare metals on our planet with a purity of about 99.99 percent impossible considering the age of this object then and have they dated it though I, I, the dating thing messes well, with not, me man they're not mentioning the dating no yet. Well, they said 140,000 years. Yeah, Those, yeah, but, but they how, haven't mentioned yeah. how. The analysis of this mysterious object is still in its infancy, and we hope that the researchers group that conducted studies on this strange artifact will continue to share the further results and conclusion. And that's it. And that's it. So it's just a tease. Yeah. It's interesting, so though, they've man. called it anti-gravity device because it's producing some kind of field. Energy field, yeah. Which is stronger than that which a normal rock Mm. It generates an generates. energy field unprecedented. It's still not understood by scientists. It's definitely weird mm-hmm. and it's definitely interesting and it definitely looks like tech, doesn't it? I mean, it, it does. It, I mean, yeah, it definitely looks like tech of some description. Um, well, I've never seen a rock like that produced from just tumbling down the fucking, no, down the river. No, definitely. Not. <laughs> With all the, the lines and the grooves and yeah, it's it, been it's, made. It's, it's been it's, fingered. It's been yeah, made. It's exactly. been made to do something. And the that fact is. that yeah. the fact that they're dating it at one hundred and forty thousand years, mm. how they came by that number, we don't know. But yeah, it's interesting. It's it interesting. is definitely. Well, mate, it is. It's your turn Flip now. Over, bro. No, I don't want to receive notifications. Oh, here you go. Have the uh, have the mouse. Have your voice heard, brother? Is that the top? That's no, the top. It's not the no, top. it's not. No, it's not. We're just We're still going. Something. There you go. That's in. Get rid of go Avis. Go away, fucking Avis. Pop up, fuckers. Here we go. All right. Rare prehistoric rock art found in India belongs to an unknown civilization. Now, Ivan Petrovich. Uh, posted this on March 2nd, 2019. Wow, that's going to be annoying. Yeah, a lot of pop-ups. The rock art is believed to have been created around 10,000 BC over 12,000 years ago. There's an interesting day. Uh, seems to keep coming back around. The discovery of countless rock carvings believed to be tens of thousands of years old in India has caused excitement among archaeologists who believe the ancient ancient rock art may hold clues to a previously unknown civilization. Some of the ancient rock drawings feature animals characteristic of Africa and not of India. 
a detail making the, the discovery even stranger. The rock carvings, known as petroglyphs, offer clues into what many scholars believe would be an unknown chapter of India's early history. I mean, we've said it before, but India is such a mystery with like the the single the temples made out of single stones and stuff like that. Oh, definitely, and it doesn't it doesn't garner the attention no, that it should. No, that it's worthy so we've got of. Some so animals there. I don't know. Yeah, let me just read the thing. Uh, the rock carvings may have belonged to a previously undocumented ancient civilization in India. Well, well, that was disappointing. Yeah. What have we got over here? Some kind of it's like a rhino, maybe a some, rhino, some maybe sort of rhinoceros, some sort of like that. It's got a horn it's on the front. It's got a bit of a tail. horn there. Looks like a shark, sharky in the sort of thing there. Yeah, a couple of know. weird little look. They they are anthropomorphic. Yeah, but I wouldn't say there's no distinct. There's no there's yeah. like an emu or something. Yeah, there. there's a fucking flamingo, or flightless bird. Mm. All right, enough of that. The petroglyphs are well preserved. Most of the images recorded in the rocky and flat hills remained hidden from modern civilization for thousands of years. According to reports, much of the petroglyphs remain hidden under the surface, with only a few visible, considered sacred by the natives of the area where the ancient rock art was found. The rock carvings of great variety represent animals, birds, human figures, and geometric designs. While little is known about the petroglyphs, how the rock carvings were made and their similarity to rock art found in other parts of the world have led experts to believe that they are created in prehistoric times and are possibly among the oldest ever discovered. Our first deduction from examining the petroglyphs is that they were created around 10,000 BC. The Maharashtra State Archaeology, Maharashtra, State Archaeology Department Director Tejas Gaji told the BBC the petroglyphs were discovered by a group of explorers led by Sudhir Rizbud and Manuj Marath, who began searching for more petroglyphs after encountering a few in the area. You're doing well, mate. Mate, I'm wondering where the African animals come into it. I'm not seeing any <laughs> African animals. Maybe there's a rhino, but I... yeah. But was it but that's, like that's mm, a there's a some sort of some sort of person holding that's something. funky? You'd get that tattooed on yourself. That's a cool design. Mm. It's it's nearly symmetrical. It is nearly symmetrical. Like these heads are a little bit different, but it's, it's like it's like a person holding two people upside down, like by their feet. It, yeah, it is. That's what it looks like, <laughs> isn't it? In a very abstract kind of way. Mm. We walked thousands of kilometers. People started sending photographs to us. And we even enlisted schools in our efforts to find them. We made students ask their grandparents and other village elders if they knew about any other engravings. This provided us with a lot of valuable information, Mr. Rizbud told the BBC. As explained by the BBC, eventually, the explorers discovered ancient petroglyphs and around 52 villages in the area. However, as noted by the explorers, only five villagers were aware that the images even existed. In addition to actively searching the area for new petroglyphs, Rizbud and his team played an active role in the documentation of the petroglyphs and in persuading the authorities to get involved in the study and preservation of the rock carvings. 
It is thought that the rock art was created by a hunter-gatherer community that is familiar with agriculture. Unfamiliar. But how do they know that? Oh, yeah. It was unfamiliar with agriculture. Well, it didn't show fences. It didn't show. <laughs> it just showed animals, not fences. So we didn't, yeah, you keep going. <laughs> didn't show fruits. Yeah. Didn't show bundles of hay. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was unfamiliar with agriculture. We have not found any images of our agricultural activities, but the drawings show animals that were hunted. And there are details of other forms of animals. So whoever created the petroglyphs knew about the knew about animals and marine creatures. That indicates that whoever created the petroglyphs actively depended on hunting to get food. You you congratulated me too early, my friend. Yeah, sorry. I'm mate. stumbling now. And while most petroglyphs depict animals that are native to the region, they also illustrate animals such as rhinos and hippos that are not found in India. This raises many important questions. Well, where was the fucking woolly rhino? I didn't see. And how long ago did that die out? I mean, I know we're just... They're obviously estimating these at 10,000 because they're like that fits nicely into the paradigm. Mm. Mm. And look, they're drawing What I find with this stuff is they're drawing a long bow. You know what I mean? Oh, so much of this stuff does. It's just a long bow. Yeah. Uh, this, let me just continue. This raises many important questions. We're nearly done. Uh, did the people who created the intricate petroglyphs immigrate to India or from Africa? Or were these animals found in India thousands of years ago? If the latter is true, the civilization that created the petroglyphs could be much older than experts initially thought. Right. Yeah, I think that's it. They well, could... well written, Ivan. That was much better than that other one. Hmm. Um, yeah, look, I think it's um it's interesting, right? So uh they draw a long bow with this stuff, man. Um, and again, you're right. How do we, we don't even know. I mean, you know, giant wombats in Australia, like who's to say India didn't have rhinos or some sort of horned animal yeah. at some point, you know? You know, the, the megafauna die off even at just 13,000 years ago. We we don't know, you know? Like we, we've, we've often spoke about the fossil record and that it's just... Every time I read something like that, they're trying to fit it into the paradigm, into the narrative, and then then therefore it doesn't actually um, it doesn't make sense, right? So it's like, oh yeah, they didn't twelve thousand years ago; they were hunter gatherers because that's what the narrative wants. That's what the narrative says, exactly. It did. And how do you know twelve thousand? You know, what I mean, they're guessing the, based the, off best best yeah, possible best estimates. I mean, yeah. I was trying to. So having a bit of a thought process the other day, isn't like carbon dating plus or minus 250 years or something like that? Like it's not even. Oh, I, I'm, to be honest, I don't know. We, I don't we, know. But there, there is a yeah. standard deviation mm. on all of these things and it's just been allowed and accepted. Yeah. Sort yeah. of thing that, because that's the best they've got. They can't get it any better than that. Yeah. And we must, we must adhere to the narrative because if we don't, um, it didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, exactly. But a lot of the times, they they date not you like that methods carbon dating's quite radiocarbon dating's quite expensive 
Whereas if you just estimate, because it's like, well, this is hunter gatherer. Yeah. So then you work backwards. Yeah. And you're like, well, that must be 10,000 BC mm. because that's approximately when we were at that level. Mm. Not, not the fact that we were recovering from a cataclysm or anything yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah. what put us there. Yeah. You know, it could have been from the previous. Mm. I mean, what, how do you, I mean, how do you, the, the human, the, the humanoid figure, it did look like he was hanging two people upside down or he's hanging onto two poles or something. So it's like, how do you interpret that? They didn't even try and interpret that. They just left that. Here's, a, here's another petroglyph. That's that's a God self icon. Yeah, that's the, well, that's what I thought, man. That's what I thought it was a God self it's a icon. It's a triptych God it, it, self it's, it's icon. It's a triptych icon. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. And you know how the two, you know how we stated that the two individuals, it was symmetrical, yeah. but the heads were different. True. True. Dun, dun, dun. So it's a trippy guy in the middle. Of- Here we go, UTC mm. back back on track. Yes, yeah. Well, look, all part of that same civilization. It's all the same, man. It is all the same. Righto. The death of a god. Max, how are you, mate? Oh, I'm well, mate. Yourself? Yeah. All right. The death of a god. Chapter five. I'm just gonna. Make that a bit bigger for some old fellas, mate. How about that? There we go. All right. Buckle up. As was stated at the start of this work, in attempting to gain a complete picture of our past and find key to our future, all pieces of the puzzle must be examined, no matter how small or obscure they may be. Unlocking the code, unlocking the code. In keeping with that view, we must now pause for a brief moment and turn our eyes to the near celestial neighbor, the planet known to the ancient Sumerians as Alamu and to the Greeks as the celestial god of war, the planet we now call Mars, the broken god. In an amazing demonstration, have you actually, before I move on? Yeah. A few of the pictures coming off Mars are very, very interesting. Mm. Like... There looks like there's ruins on Mars. Tell me more. Yeah. There looks like broken down uh, uh, pylons and walls and stuff like that. Yep. It, it, there's some very, like, a lot, again, a lot of these guys, they want to see stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, I'll see, like, sometimes it hasn't happened in a little while. It's come through the feed, but I used to get like 28 pictures and, like, look at the, the ruins on Mars. And I'm like, yeah, okay. If you're 28 pictures, five or six of them, there's definitely something there. The other twenty-three, where you see whatever you reckon you see, I'm not mm-hmm. sure about that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not seeing it. But yeah, but hey. but four or five of them, there's definitely some anomalies there. Yeah, right. I think that's that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. In an amazing demonstration of Yale, and oh, sorry, the broken god. In an amazing demonstration of Yale taught intelligence, George Walker Bush made the following statement on August eleventh, nineteen ninety-four. Mars is essentially in the same orbit as Earth. Mars is somewhat the same distance from the sun, which is very important. We have seen pictures where there are canals, we believe, and water. If there is water, that means there is oxygen. If oxygen, that means we can breathe. Well, we now know that's... They've found, they definitely found ice, and they've definitely found evidence of water. Um, in actual fact, Mars today... Remember, this is 20 years ago, so a lot of the stuff that he's seeing... Mm-hmm has come a long way, especially as far as Mars is concerned, yeah, is a barren wasteland. It is an inhospitable, windswept rock 
with a poisonous butterscotch-coloured atmosphere of mostly CO2 and methane stretched thinly over a dusty reddish landscape. The question is, how could it be so inhospitable when Earth is its neighbour is just the opposite? Some may not know this, but our enigmatic celestial neighbour does have a slight atmosphere, not breathable, and a north polar ice cap that scientists have proven to be frozen CO2 and water. Yes, that's right, water. Pure, drinkable, life-giving H2O exists on Mars, frozen at its north pole. It's also in the, a lot of the they've found stuff at the bottom of uh, craters and they reckon riverbeds as well now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a lot too, as can be seen in this 3D image. Get yourself a telescope. It's quite easy to see. Mars has a south polar ice cap too, but it's said to be all frozen CO2. And there are further indications of a certain amount of moisture existing in the atmosphere as the North Polar Ice Cap undergoes some quite drastic seasonal changes. Mars also bears some dramatic evidence of former ocean beds, vast river systems, and a period of catastrophic global flooding. Of course, the planet is barren, dry, and windswept now, but the evidence still remains. Everywhere across the surface, we can still observe the signs of rivers, lakes, and even islands. In fact, all the telltale signs of water erosion are still very easy to see on the planet's surface. Of course... What this all means is that Mars must have once had a greenhouse atmosphere similar to that of Earth, probably more CO2 than anything else, unlikely to have ever been breathable, but an atmosphere that was still much warmer than it was, than what it is today nonetheless. Otherwise, the water would have always remained frozen at its poles and we would not see all the evidence of erosion that is still visible on the surface. The question is thus raised. It is quite obvious that Mars once had an atmosphere of sorts and a great deal of water on its surface. So where did it all go? Why is Mars now so desolate? Sometime in the past, it appears the planet somehow lost its ability to retain its warmth and lost all of its atmosphere. There's some old school images of the poles. I have seen similar stuff to that. Uh, More detailed ones now, though. In the process, it has also lost all of its abundant water and oceans, which either disappeared into space or seeped underground to lie locked and frozen beneath its surface. That's what they reckon now. There's a lot of water beneath the surface. What could have happened? The answer to this question may well lie in the visible geology of the planet because there is every indication that Mars recently suffered an enormous catastrophe on quite a global scale, which caused enough damage for it to physically lose its atmosphere and a good deal more. Besides, of course, when I say recently, I mean sometime in the last few thousand to few hundred thousand to few million years, which in astronomical terms is really just the other day. You love the Aussie, just the other day. Oh, yeah, look at that. That's definitely rivers there. That's, yeah. that's easy. Uh, the dragons, the dragon whips its tail. A most interesting and very unusual feature that it is quite unique to Mars is that the top section of the planet is divided from the bottom section by enormous, jagged, and even un, an uneven cliff that stretches around the entire planet. There are no breaks in this cliff. It goes all the way around. The top section of the globe is sparsely cratered lowlands and the bottom is heavily cratered highlands. Thus, this provides us with an instant clue. These highland and lowland sections of the planet are large enough to be described as each taking up an entire hemisphere of the planet's surface, but are not at all defined by the hemispheres of the globe with unbroken cliff that separates the two running around the planet at roughly 35 degrees to its axis. Get the picture? It's kind of like looking at an orange with the top half peel roughly torn off while the skin still remains covering the bottom half. This, of course, gives us every indication that a reasonably large chunk of the planet's crust is somehow missing from the top half of the planet. 
This distinguishing separating feature on the Martian surface is known by scientists as the line of dichotomy. dichotomy. Yeah, right. Look at that. I've never seen that before, mm. how it's actually split. Yep. I did know that one side was like a mile higher than the other. Yep. Um, I did know that. Mars is significantly smaller than Earth, yet both surface features that are massive, literally dwarfing those found on Earth or indeed any other planet in our solar system. Apart from its missing water and this line of dichotomy being the largest single cliff in the solar system, an average of three kilometres high, just think about that for a second. Yeah, right. Uh, Mars also boasts the largest canyon, the largest volcanoes, and the largest crater in our solar system. The sheer size of these surface features seem all out of proportion on our smaller neighbour. Not bad for one little planet. When I say these volcanoes are large, I mean really huge. The largest of the three, known as the Olympus Mons, is the largest volcano in the solar system. It is more than 372.84 miles or 600 kilometres across. Towers 27k above the surface above the surrounding planet has a caldera of over 50 miles wide, 80 kilometers. Noticeably, all three of these huge volcanoes are located at the top section of the planet, while near the equator is the largest canyon imaginable, known as the Valles Marinas. This gigantic rift on the surface of Mars makes the Grand Canyon look like a furrow. There's a big giant volcano. Some of the slopes and cliffs look quite gentle and scalable in this mosaic of the Candor Casma area in Valles Marinas, looking from north to south, made from images. Oh, no, so, uh, so that's from the Viking orbiters. Uh, but it must be understood that this trench of a whopping five to seven kilometres deep split in the Martian surface, an enormous rip stretching a gaping 200 kilometres across. At over 5,000 kilometres long, it would stretch across the entire continent of Australia. Well, there you go. That's a, mm. there's a statistic. Then on the other side of the planet, near the, near to the bottom, in fact, almost directly opposite the area where we find three huge volcanoes, is a massive, huge impact crater with all the signs that a very large object at one time slammed into Mars with such enormous speed and energy that it penetrated deep into the planet. Yeah, there's the big scratch. Yeah. Do you see where all this leads? I mean, if something hits on the bottom, it's going to, uh, push it out the top. You know what I mean? That's yeah, what's going to happen. Definitely. There is significant evidence that Mars recently suffered the impact of an asteroid or comet fragment, an impact so great and so devastating that the object in question punched deep into the planet's lower hemisphere and so, in, in so doing blew the crust off the top hemisphere from the force of the blow. The impact had totally devastating results and may well have caused the planet to bulge and split its surface and three huge gaping blisters to appear on the opposite side of the impact site to release the sudden pressure and catastrophic energy from the blow that was delivered to it. In a book by Graham Hancock, Robert Bouval, and John Grisham that was published in 98 uh, on the subject entitled The Mars Mystery, the authors also proposed exactly that scenario and presented some quite viable evidence to support the claim. Of particular interest is the fact that there is an ancient Sumerian tale which mentions the Earth and Moon and Mars all suffering calamities at around the same time due to the close passage of a celestial body about 11,500 years ago. Interesting. Mm. Could it be possible that Mars was devastated on that occasion? Could it even possibly been have, have been as recently as that? Well, the Mars is the god of war. That's right. So maybe Mars was in battle and pieces were flying off Mars once upon a time. Maybe. May have been recorded maybe. in human history. 
strange connections. There are other strange legends of Mars too. One in particular interests is related by the one of particular interest is related by the Zulu tribe of Africa. An ancient Zulu legend has it that the tribe arrived here many years ago in celestial boats because their planet was about to be attacked by an invader of some kind. What or who this invader may have been is not entirely clear. However, the legend says that the Zulus placed all of their women and children in boats and sent them to their nearest neighbour, namely the Earth. Same story. Certainly, it's an interesting legend for an African tribe to have... I've lost my spot. There are certain... Hang on. To to have. There we go. Yeah. There's a full stop at the end of that. There's a full stop there, mate. Yeah, yeah. There are certain rusty. (laughs) There are certain pyramids in Mexico that seem to clearly depict the Martian calendar. A somewhat unusual coincidence of coincidence it be, because the calendar is very accurate. There also exist legends from ancient Sumer, which talk of gods traveling to and from the planet, which the Sumerians knew as Lamu. And there is the enigmatic and very mysterious Sidonia region, which many believe to contain pyramids and other structures. The Knights of Sidonia. Mm. We also have the contentious issue of the cubit. The biblical cubit is widely accepted to have been 523.5 to 524 millimeters, 20.61 to 20.63 inches in length and was subdivided into seven palms or four di- of four digits, giving a 28-part measure in total. The cubit is a bizarre unit of measure to exist on Earth. We can see where feet and inches come from. As unnatural our length as it may be, it works for us because we all have them. But then again, why was the foot divided into 12 parts and not 10 or 15? After all, we have 10 fingers and 10 toes divided into groups of five digits. 12 is not a natural number for mankind to adopt. So why is it that things were always divided into 12 portions? Why do we have a dozen of something? The good question. Well, I think it might come back to um, minutes of angle around a circle. Yeah, what I, I thought is, it was astronomical, is but what I mean, I feel. and it's the twelve houses of the of the zodiac. That's right. That's that's where if you start to put measurement up against the zodiacal calendar, mm, it, it starts. It, it makes sense, make sense with terms of time. But see, technically, the zodiacal calendar is missing Ophiuchus. Yeah, cool story. Don't know what you're talking about. Ophiuchus is the serpent. So that's thirteen houses. Mm. Yeah. So then that doesn't makes it not work that's right but anyway that's why i stick with minutes of angle Mm, because it divides that's how we divide the 360 degrees into into 12 hours yeah sort of thing so Mm. is that why we divide it into 12 Mm. so anyway 12 is not a natural number for mankind to adopt so why is it that things were always divided into 12 portions why do we have a dozen of something the meter is, of course, quite a natural unit of measurement for the Earth. Everything comes out even. The Earth itself can be measured in meters perfectly. It is a surprise then to see that Mars can be measured in perfect, in 
measured in perfectly in cubits. There's too many ends there. The cubits works on Mars the same way a meter works on Earth. The relative length of measure in relation to the size of the sphere is the same. As unnatural as it seems to us in the relation to the Earth, the cubit is the perfect length to use if we lived on Mars. Dun, dun, dun. That's interesting. Drop a bomb. So what on Earth is it doing here on Earth? And how or why did anyone who lived on the Earth ever come up with such a bizarre unit of measure in the first place and so long ago? As irrelevant as it may seem to you at this moment, just retain the information contained in this chapter as food for thought in the back of your mind for now as we move on. Hold this place because he's going to fucking tie it all together. All this cubits coming from Mars. I'd never heard of that. Had you heard of that? Not really, no. No, I've never heard cubits come from Mars. No. Never. That's that's a new bit of information. I knew the cubit was a weird measurement because yes. it is a weird measurement. But I've also had it explained away as to how that, like, I've seen multiple different theories from from paradigm yeah, believers yeah, yeah, yeah. to to non paradigm believers. Then I think Randall, old 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 Mister Carlson, did Mate, something. As Randall well. does everything. Mm. If it's got numbers in it, Randall's done it. Mm. Mm. Um, Randall Randall does an amazing. Uh, show on the YouTube channel after school. Yeah, it's a, it's on sacred geometric numbers. Oh, and cosmographia. Cosmographia is. Yeah, I love the fact that someone has figured out how to just pull Randall's string. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so good, and like somewhat keep him on track. Part two. Okay, so part two of this book investigation. He quotes Frank Zappa. (laughs) (laughs) Information is not knowledge. Knowledge is not wisdom. Wisdom is not truth. Truth is not beauty. That's interesting. So artistic. Mm. Thanks, Frank. On you, Franco. Chapter six, The Lost Lands. I think we're going to talk about Lemuria and Moo. And Lantis. And Lantis. As we now return to Earth and consider what catastrophic celestial events may have actually happened in the distant past, another nagging question and ground that many scholars loathe to tread inevitably arises. Hmm. I speak, of course, of the dreaded A-word, Atlantis. It has been the goal of many expeditions, the source of endless debate, countless books, and a myriad of theories. The legend of Atlantis is one that persisted for longer and captured the imagination of more people than perhaps any other tale in our history. There have been countless expeditions, archaeological digs and underwater excursions made in the hope of finding some trace of the elusive sunken land that many believe must exist. We are told, we are told that so well randall said so so we have to believe him on the he is he puts he puts it together pretty concurrently look that's 20 hours of my life that i thought was well spent that nine episodes that he spent on atlantis on atlantis yep you've got to dig like you had you got to hold on tight you got to hold on tight you got to walk away you got to come back (laughs) 
it, it was a whole it was a process, man. However, at the end, through Randall's receipts upon receipts upon receipts upon receipts, yeah, Azores, yeah. Okay, where were we? Made in the hope of finding some trace of the elusive sunken land that many believe must exist. We are told that so far, few real clues to its reality have been found. There have been many underwater ruins found, like those in the Mediterranean, which is literally full of ruins. Plus, traces have been found off the shores of Indonesia, and other places, but scholars have argued that none so far have seemed to be in the current location to be correct location to be Atlantis. Judging from what information we have to go on, however, there have been various other discoveries that don't seem to come into public attention. There have been reports of structures and even pyramids that have been found underwater and still more reports by seasoned fishermen and pilots that others have been glimpsed beneath the waves on clear days. Was it the, um, was that astronaut? I remember that. There's, there's, there's an astronaut who snuck a journal, a book, and was one of the early astronauts when he was in low Earth orbit traveling around because he was at some so far, he saw all sorts of stuff in the ocean. And there's a guy that was his son or something. I can't remember what the name, I can't remember the process now, but long story short, cool story, more dragons. Um, <laughs> he saw a lot of stuff from low earth orbit and wrote the coordinates down. And there's, yeah, okay. there's, there's a treasure book somewhere. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Ah, interesting. You sure that wasn't like from like some like kids movie, like national. Treasure no, or something? it was, it was, it was on uh, earth ancients. Yep. I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but it's not coming to me. Never mind. Never mind. Moving A on. sunken world. Our primary source of information and real glimpse of Atlantis comes from Plato in his two ancient works, <sighs> Timaeus and Critias. These two dialogues offer us a rich, rich glimpse into the workings, government, and infrastructure of Atlantis from the perspective of Plato. There are many people that believe that these are the only two sources of the tale. Such a belief could not be further from the actual truth. Enlighten me, Maxi boy. There are numerous mentions of the island continent by other Grecian scholars who were not adding to or embellishing Plato's original account, but were in fact collaborating it. And there are other things that lend credence to Plato's accounts as well. One significant contributing clue is Plato's mention of pillars of Heracles, also known as Hercules, which were apparently two pillars of gold inscribed with ancient teachings in the form of hieroglyphs. Consider also these other ancient references from a number of sources one such pillars are mentioned in works by a commenter of Plato's writings called Proclus. Proclus mentioned that the traveller Crantor visited Sais in Egypt, as Solon had also done 300 years before him, and that during these visits, both men had been shown a golden pillar inscribed with hieroglyphics 
just as had been described by Plato. I know that one. No, me neither. Because I think you were gesturing towards the pillars of yeah, Heracles yeah, yeah, yeah. being the Straits of Gibraltar. Yeah, Straits of Gibraltar, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. whatever the entrance to the Mediterranean is. Because mm. that's what Randall says that they are. Mm. Another Greek historian named Herodotus is reported to have actually seen two pillars of pure gold, the other of emerald, which shone with such brilliance, brilliancy at night while visiting a temple of Heracles at Tyre, also known as Phoenicia. It was actually not uncommon for the Phoenicians to erect such pillars of Heracles in almost all the places they colonised, as they did at Gibraltar, for example. Mm-hmm. The Phoenicians record that such pillars were erected to commemorate the first founding of Atlantis by Atlas and Heracles. Hang on, hang on. So Tyre, mm-hmm. Tyre's Lebanon, Baalbek, mm-hmm. Dionysian architect, architects, masons. Bing, all. bang, boom. Yeah. The uh, brotherhood holding on to the ancient knowledge. Mm-hmm. Temple of Jerusalem. It is actually not uncommon for Phoenicians to erect such pillars of Heracles, Phoenicians, uh, Gibraltar, for example. The Phoenicians record that such pillars were erected to commemorate the first founding of Atlantis by Atlas and Heracles. The Egyptian historian Manetho, 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 Metho, also mentions the existence of two pillars. He tells us that before the Great Flood, the Egyptian deity Thoth inscribed them with hieroglyphs containing all of the ancient wisdom so it would not be lost in the deluge that was soon to come. There's a depiction of Thoth somewhere in the Pacific. Really? Mm. I haven't heard that one. Mm. Uh, that was Loomis. He's Loomis? Coming, he, Loomis, is coming, um, uh, Loomis is coming back next week. Nice. Other historians have reported that Alexander the Great inspected many such large pillars of gold bearing unusual hieroglyphic markings in the lands of northern India. (laughs) These histories mention that Alexander travelled beyond the pillars of Hercules and Dionysus. Dionysian architects. Mm -hmm. This is quite a significant statement because Dionysus is in fact a divine representation of atlas his heavenly counterpart so to speak so here we have a european conqueror reportedly finding atlantean pillars and a reference to heracles and atlas in northern india some people have also said that such pillars were constructed to mark the outer borders of the atlantean territories interesting hmm A Jewish Jewish historian called Josephus, who lived around the time of Christ, also made mention of either Seth or Thoth inscribing some pillars with ancient knowledge in order that wisdom and astronomical knowledge should not perish in the cataclysm, made two pillars, one of stone and one of brick, in which he inscribed this knowledge for posterity the said pillars still existing in the land of Syriad to this day. The Mayans have also also have creation legends which talk of a lost and mysterious continent that was called 
Aztlan. Aztlan, yeah. They say this land was the place from whence they first came. It was destroyed in terrible volcanic upheavals and later sank beneath the seas and their ancestors were forced to set out in canoes and catamarans to look for new lands. There was even a quite famous freeze Freezy? Free, freezy? that was removed from the Mayan city of Taikal, actually depicting the event. The stone freezer. Fre- freeze? I don't know what that, what that is. I know it's Takal. It's Takal, but it's not. I don't know what freeze is. I, I, I know that. I know what it is, but I don't. You it, know what I'm it's, saying? Yeah. It's a stone thing. Yeah, it's a stone thing. Actually, um, I know exactly what it is. I posted it on the page the other day when we see the picture. I yeah. know exactly what it is. So it was displayed in the Berlin Museum, but was unfortunately destroyed during the Allied bombing of Berlin in 1945. No, it wasn't. The Indian traditional texts of the Ramayana and the Mahabharata make constant references to the land of Atala, a paradise that sank beneath the sea. In these texts, the Rama Empire is recorded to have fought great wars against people of Atala, with both nations using powerful and devastating weapons. Nirvamana. Many ancient maps, such as those mentioned in the second chapter, show a group of islands in the Atlantic Ocean, mostly just labelled as the Atlantic Islands. There are usually seven of them shown on most ancient maps. Today, there are only two main islands in the area, Cuba and the Dominican Republic. However, many ancient maps show three or four more, as on King Henry's map of 1500 and the Benincasa map of 1482. We didn't see those before, did we? They're new. I haven't heard those mentioned. No. But we've always been looking at ones that show uh, Antarctica. Yeah, in Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've been looking at different stuff. Some see this as a reference to a sunken civilization. However, it must be taken into account that some islands have been known to come and go. Do you want to hand it over, mate? Yeah, mate. I'm ready. Yeah. I could feel it. <clears throat> well, we're, we're, we're reaching. We're nearly reaching time anyway. We didn't put the rocket clock on, but that's okay. I said it earlier, but I never put it on. That's the thought that counts. We'll go for another 10 minutes or so and we'll wrap it up, I think. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. We'll see how this goes. Okay. These are just some, of, some other references to Atlantis that come from places that were not necessarily associated with Plato. And I must admit, I hadn't heard of maybe half of those at all no me neither no basically everything that i've heard of that maybe i've heard of atslan i've heard of well yeah i wasn't going to go there i was i was going to go into the other accounts of atlantis all came after plato's account yeah is what i'd heard they were all basically they were just banging off of plato's yeah, stuff yeah 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 but this, but this guy Matt but Max the is stuff telling us that but the stuff before. that's happening well outside of no, greece never yeah never uh, and there are many tales of ancient cataclysms if one wants to delve a little deeper. One remarkable thing about all tales of Atlantis, and the same is true for most references found in ancient texts that indicate they may be referring to a sunken civilization, 
is that all the event timelines match up very closely. This becomes especially noticeable as it happens with the events recorded by civilizations who apparently had no contact with each other. We'll investigate this a little later, but for the moment, we'll briefly revisit the actual legend itself. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the that's the thing I posted on the page the other day. Yeah, that's the the Golden Empire. Plato tells us that Atlantis was an island continent consisting of seven separate land masses that was located in an area that is now the Atlantic Ocean, and that it was founded around eleven thousand years ago. He describes Atlantis as a land that was abundant in a variety of natural resources and whose people prospered greatly due to this natural wealth. It was known to be a great centre of trade and commerce in the ancient world, a powerful nation that controlled many sea routes and also held sway over other territories it controlled in Africa and Europe. We are told that the god Poseidon took to himself a mortal wife whose name was Cleto and he made Atlantis his domain. Poseidon loved Cleto deeply and on a hill in the middle of the central island of Atlantis, Poseidon constructed a dwelling for himself and his wife and then built seven moats around the house in ever larger circles to protect her, which is the reason that thing in Africa, the concentric circles, that's why they thought it was that. Well, it's it's also the... Uh, so you're talking about like the Eye of Sahara. That's the one. Yeah. So it's also the, the river systems that are thought to have once existed through there would have made that corner of Africa somewhat of an island. Mm. Um, not separate from the continent, but just because of the way the rivers ran, it would have been somewhat of an island. Mm. That's why the theory sort of point towards there as well. Yeah. And the fact that that fucking eye of the Sahara thing is just random. It's an it's anomaly. anomaly. Yeah. yeah. I know we, we seem to keep going banging on about Randall tonight. However, um, he did a really good explanation as to why it's not. Why it's not an anomaly? No, why it's not Atlantis. Ah, right. Yes. Dwelling for himself, seven mates around large and circles to protect her. Cleto gave birth to five sets of twin boys who would become the first rulers of Atlantis. Poseidon divided Atlantis among his 10 sons and control of the hill and the surrounding lands was given to his eldest son, Atlas. Atlas built a temple on the central hill to honour his father. Inside, he erected an enormous golden statue of Poseidon standing astride a great chariot drawn by magnificent winged horses that dominated the central hall. It was here that the High Council and governing body of Atlantis would meet to discuss and decide policies, pass laws, make judgments and pay tribute to the great Poseidon. A great canal to be used for the purposes of travel and trade was dug from the central hill and ran south through the rings of land and water for 5.5 miles, eventually arriving at the sea. Where's this info coming from? That's odd. Because, the this, goal, it's, oh, this because, is, because this was not in Plato's no, depiction. I'm not too sure so where is it's this, coming from. Is this later stuff that's been built upon? This is interesting. I'm not sure where this, yeah, where it's coming from. Hmm. Anyway, It's a great story. Yeah, it's good, but I don't know where it's coming from. Uh, eventually arriving at the sea. The city of Atlantis itself was very densely populated and sat just outside the central ring of the moats covering a circular area of 11 square miles. The majority of the Atlantean population was said to have lived within the actual city itself. Plato describes it as being a beautiful city with walls that were clad with gold, silver, bronze, tin, and an unknown metal named by Plato as Oricluck. Oric, 
Orc elk or orc elk clock get get a chalk ori chalk yeah we'll go with that ori chalk <laughs> you'll guess a, you'll guess the good it's a weird well. word man it is uh just beyond the city surrounded by another great canal lay a vast fertile plain 330 miles long and 120 miles wide where food crops were grown so fertile was the ground and so temperate the climate that two harvests were made each year one harvest was nurtured by the winter rains and the other fed by with water collected from the mountains and streams in the Great Canal. Uh, to add to the bi-yearly harvests, the land was also rich in fruits, nuts and herbs. To the north of the plain were tall mountains and all the land about was covered in rivers, lakes and rich meadows, all peppered with farms and villages. There was abundant animal life to be found on Atlantis and two and even elephants could be found there. Yeah, so it's it's there. Mm-hmm. The Atlantean Empire thrived in such a fashion for many years, but slowly their technology and greed overcame them and they became egotistical and ever more warlike, always craving still more power and lands. Plato's affirms this attitude in his dialogue in which he says that the once noble people of Atlantis became corrupted by greed and lust for power. And when the great god Zeus looked down from the heavens and saw the corruption and immortality of the Atlantans, he called a meeting and summoned all the other gods to counsel to decide the empire's fate. Then was all to society cast down a great destruction on Atlantis and a huge violent cataclysm. The entire continent sank beneath the waters, never to be seen again. Yeah, sent his chariot across the sky, the big bearded man. Into the ice shelf. Into the ice shelf. (laughs) According to Greek tradition, when the seven islands of Atlantis sank, they were turned into the constellation of the Pylades because they preferred death rather than dishonour at the lands of their persecutor, Orion, who still hunts them across the skies. There we go. Look at that. There it is again. It's all the same, man. It's all the same. There are histories that exist in ancient Indian texts that tell of a great war between the Rama Empire and the empire they know as Attila, which they refer to as an island paradise. This war, so the text, was ultimately responsible for the disappearance of both civilizations. Plato tells us that the destruction of Atlantis was about 9,000 years before the time of Solon, and we know from history that Solon was supposed to have visited Egypt in 600 BC, so if we add 600 to the last 2,000, we've got an estimated date of 11,600 or about 9,600 BC that the destruction of Atlantis is said to have occurred. We'll return to investigate this date a little later in this book. So 9,600 is obviously the second cataclysm, Mm -hmm. not the first one, it's the second one. Yeah. So, I mean, my thoughts were, and I think we might, um, we might leave it there, mate. We'll just have a quick look, scroll there. Yeah, let's have a look. Possible physical evidence. Yeah. No, it's going to we'll go leave on. it there. Oh, no, once he goes to the, the great southern land. Oh, yeah. Um, nah, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there? Yeah. Yeah, There's I'm a happy. fair bit more there. Uh, the next, next, not chapter, but Next title, title. possible physical evidence. Um, yeah, look, he's going off the coast of Spain, so I think he's going to go into... Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we, you know, Randall again uh, went through in great detail. Mm-hmm. Um, let me throw something at you. Yeah, bro. And then we'll finish. Copy that. 
So the first cataclysm happened 12,800, whatever it is, years ago. Yeah. Okay. What if that cataclysm mm. reset the planet where Atlantis or where Atlantis was, was now due to the cataclysm the within for those 2000 years between 12800 11600 that was the prime area of the planet climatolog- climatologically mm-hmm. i don't know how what when where why this is a this is a completely yeah 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 fresh idea that's kind, come out it, of the ether it's, but it's yeah yeah it's kind of like uh when the vikings landed in greenland it just climatically happened to be the perfect time yeah um, and but they only existed there for a small amount of time mm. because the uh, basically the, the climate shifted over a couple of hundred years, yeah. and they they basically all had to leave, yeah, because it just got too icy. So when they, they landed cold, there, it yeah. just happened to be nice and fertile, yeah, and then yeah, then it got got shit, and mm. they had to leave basically. So mm. yeah, you're saying um, with the upheaval of the first cataclysm. Mm. Of, of the let's call it 13,000 for a round yeah. number 13,000 year ago cataclysm the first of the younger dryas uh cataclysm cataclysms uh anyway I'm, I'm just repeating myself cataclysm cataclysm I'm trying to get to a thing but i'm just like <laughs> it's nearly it's like a broken record we're I'm nearly like, done mate we're nearly done uh anyway so yeah you're saying that would send the uh, would have up upheaval of the of the uh what are we talking about shit i just lost it all we're anyway, talking about the jet stream the climate the, yeah so the, the climate let's yeah. just call it the climate so all of a sudden you've got a a golden age of the climate for that area mm. and 2000 years well let's 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 look at at our again back to our uh, existence where we come into the acceleration from the uh i'm just fucking blanking on everything the bronze age industrial revolution, industrial even. revolution. Look, let's look at where we've gone from there to now horsebacks to rocket ships in 150 years yeah yeah so we we could have been quite explorational mm. found atlantis super good place to live like mm. really fertile lots of crops you know we we just barely into that agricultural sort of phase mm. and then an explosion because if you've got yeah if you've got if, if you've, you've got, got so much food and agriculture land and, and resources like that, and stuff like that then you get an explosion mm. and then in the second cataclysm um what was it a thousand years later 2000 years later yeah 2000 years later yeah 2000 years later with the with the massive rise the 400 um foot rise of sea levels yeah, and, and stuff and like mainly that mainly the isostatic depression of the ice shelf i think is the is the ultimate reason yeah. yes but all of that then sinks it sort mm. of thing and ends it so the rise and fall mm. of atlantis i like it maybe i like it well mate i i i really enjoy these man these are these are good fun um, no, me too brother i love uh, it yeah, these are really cool. And this this book just keeps getting better and better. I'm so glad we came back to it tonight. Yeah. Because it's like it's it's actually 
tonight it's turned into a page turner for me. That's right. Because like the the few things that he's dropped, it's like, we'll come back to that later. And then he just touches on another piece yeah. and it's like, I know he's going to fold that back into another yeah. theory we now later. Have to, we now have to keep going. So now it's turned into a page turner for me. Mm, mm. Well, mate, I don't have too much more. I think that's enough, man. Yeah, um, me neither. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, actually, we, we, we'll, uh, we can... St- no, we don't have to... St- hang on, where's the keyboard? Um, yeah, man, very cool. I think now we have to... We have to come back again, don't we? Um, oh, most definitely. But that's it, brother. I uh, always appreciate your time, mate. It's always these are cool. These are these are these are relaxing for me, and I, uh, the the refinery at its finest. I think. Bloody oath! All right. Anyway, thanks, guys. Let's stop dilly dallying. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Just want to go again. Let's do it. Yeah. Go again. All right. I know you've been here before No surprises settle the score I know the darkness deep inside Reckless rage through I know you I know you